Third, we go to the book of Acts, chapter 9. We'll be reading Acts 9, verses 1 through 19, the, the story of Ananias and Saul meeting Jesus. I'll be reading from the New International Version. The words are on screen, though I do invite you to open a device or a pew Bible to follow along. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. And he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that, any he found there, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. And for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias! Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And then Ananias went into the house and entered it. And placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. And he got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. And Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I mentioned earlier, maybe you've heard the rumor that I've been praying for snow for the last month. Yes, I have, and not just a dusting of snow. No, I, I was praying in the month of April for a foot of snow, a real thick blessing from heaven. You know, it's not unheard of in April. We, we could and have gotten a foot of snow towards the end of April. So I prayed for snow. It could have happened, but probably it will not happen anymore in Maine, and I've, I've stopped praying for snow, but you could blame me for all that cold weather we had in January, uh, in April, uh, the flurries and the cold and the frosts. And the, when I told the local pastor's group that I was praying for snow, they gave me a real hard time about it every week. And when I went into the front porch, the staff there were not happy about it either. 
but I don't mind. I, uh, you can blame me for it. Because snow is a, a blessing. And uh, I think that God sends his blessings on us in various ways. And I also don't think that God is listening to my prayers more than yours. I, God hears all of our prayers, and God is going to do what God is going to do. God is sovereign. And if God sends snow, then I take it as a blessing, a, a gift of water on the ground. Now, today's scripture is full of people uh, with prayer and bright lights and sounds and voices from heaven. And we have this conversion story here of Saul and of Ananias. Uh, this Saul coming down to Damascus to today is this conversion story of of Saul, this guy who becomes a missionary to the Gentiles. And if it weren't for Paul or Saul, we wouldn't have most of what we have in the scriptures in the New Testament. He wrote about half of the New Testament in various letters. And plus all the, the churches that were spread across the Mediterranean through his ministry. See, Paul is this central character in the New Testament. He's central to the growth of the church. But the story today has this other guy, Ananias. Ananias is this uh, guy who spends his time in prayer. He spends all his time in prayer. He's listening to God, and God listens to him. And I think if it weren't for Ananias in this story, in this moment, praying and listening to God, closely in tune with God, we wouldn't have Saul or Paul. The the New Testament would be a whole different story. I mean, I'm sure that God would have found a way to bring Saul into the fold, to bring him to conversion and to call him to this ministry of mission. But if not for Ananias, it would have been someone else. And Ananias listened and obeyed, and he followed Jesus. And we we get this story starting with Saul, this, this young man who you may have heard about. We met him first a while back in the story of the stoning of Stephen, which we didn't cover this year. But Saul is this Pharisee. He's a, an ultra-zealot, religious, crazy man, highly educated, high-strung, out to get the followers of Jesus. And Saul has been on a mission already. He's on a mission to stamp out the followers of Jesus. He's trying to stamp out the Holy Spirit fire that has been spreading among people all across the Mediterranean basin. And it's only been a few weeks, by the way, since Jesus first appeared after rising from the dead maybe two months or three months after Jesus' resurrection. And we've seen these resurrection appearances of Jesus, and this is just another one in that that line. First, Jesus appears to Mary at the tomb, and then later he appears to the disciples behind locked doors, and he converts both of them, all of them, into evangelists. Mary says, I have seen the Lord, and goes on to become an apostle to the disciples. And the disciples themselves behind locked doors say, uh, we've seen the Lord. And, and Thomas responds, my Lord and my God. And then some of the disciples go fishing on the Lake of Galilee and they meet Jesus on the shore. That's the, the kind of the epilogue of the book of John. And then Jesus ascends to heaven to be with the Father. But Saul here has an uphill battle on his mission. He, the sparks are spreading. The Holy Spirit fire that came upon that small band of Jesus' followers, the a hundred-ish people gathered together in Jerusalem at Pentecost, that fire has spread to thousands of believers. It's exploded across the whole area. 
And the, those people have scattered away from Jerusalem out to their communities and their synagogues and their Jewish towns all around, even to Damascus. And Saul is out to get them. And he has the permission of the high priest from Jerusalem to go do it. He's going to look for anyone who follows the way of Jesus, any Jew who calls themselves a follower of Jesus. And he goes to Damascus, not just because it was the biggest city nearby, uh, maybe because it had a, a lot of Jews and a cluster of believers there. But Damascus is not very close to Jerusalem. It's like a, a week's journey on foot to get there, maybe longer. A 150-mile walk, maybe less if they go by horse. It's a journey that follows that road down from Jerusalem to Jericho and then up along the Dead Sea and the Jordan River and up beyond the headwaters of the Jordan near Mount Hermon and then up into Syria and Damascus. And Saul must have been fairly certain that he would meet believers there or find them or he wouldn't have made such a hard journey. And it's on this road to Damascus that Saul meets Jesus. Jesus appears to him, and in that moment, it changes everything, not just his life, but the whole history of the Christian church. Saul meets Jesus, and Jesus comes as this bright light from heaven that flashes and shines all around him, and the light is so bright that it blinds Saul, and that is one of the beauties of this story, I think. Saul meets Jesus in the flesh, and he recognizes him, but he never sees him. He's blinded by the light, and he's one of those people that Jesus was talking about last week when Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. Saul does not see Jesus, but he knows and meets Jesus, and he falls flat on his face. He can't see him. He can only hear his voice, and Jesus says, Saul, Saul. Why do you persecute me? And Saul responds, Who are you, Lord? Already he must have some idea of who he's talking to or he wouldn't call him Lord, but Jesus responds clearly, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. I am Jesus. That is significant. It is emphatic. It is pointing out that this really is Jesus. I am he. You are attacking me not just the people who follow me, but me, my own body. But it also has a, a, a theological meaning too because Jesus is calling himself the I am. We saw this in the Gospel of John, all the ways that Jesus says, I am the way, I am the bread of life, I am the living water, I am. And if we go further back to that story when Moses meets God at the burning bush, God says, I am who I am and I will be who I will be. And Jesus is saying to Paul in this moment, I am the same God who revealed himself to Moses. I am Jesus. And Saul may have thought he was just persecuting the followers of the way of Jesus, but in doing so, he is attacking the very body of Jesus, the church. Saul didn't know it, but he's been up against Jesus all this time, and he doesn't stand a chance. And Jesus says to him, get up and go. Get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. This is just like all those call stories of the prophets, uh, Ezekiel and Isaiah and even uh, Moses and others who God says, get up and go and do this thing or you will find out and I will tell you what to do. Get up and go from your homeland. Get up and go and follow me. And Paul goes into the city, led like a blind man, led by the hand, by those men who were with him. And he remains blind in darkness for three days, fasting and praying. 
And it's hard not to see the link there to Jesus who was in the grave, who was in the dark, who was dead for three days. And then he rose again and saw the light and knew the truth. And then we meet Ananias. And that's when Ananias meets Jesus too in this story. See, Ananias gets a vision from the Lord who calls out to him and says, Lord, or Ananias, Ananias. And he answers, yes, Lord. Or Hineni. We heard this back in the call of Samuel when he was a little boy. How he said, I am here for you, God. I am present before you and I will do whatever you ask. Because Ananias knows Jesus. And Jesus knows Ananias. Ananias knows Jesus' voice. And we don't know if this Ananias guy was part of that original core group of Jesus followers or if he was part of that larger group that got the Spirit on Pentecost Day. But either way, he's back in Damascus and he is not alone. There are other followers of the way of Jesus. And he's a man of prayer. He's a man who knows Jesus because he prays, because he studies the Scriptures, because he knows what Jesus said and did. But still... Ananias struggles. Like any call of a prophet, a call of a follower of God, he's got questions for God. He he tells him, God tells him, Jesus tells him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And what Jesus wants Ananias to do is something that is really quite difficult for him. He's got to go to his enemy's house, to this place that would even welcome someone who's come to persecute and kill the followers of Jesus, He's got to go into the house, a place he is probably not welcome anymore. And he must go in there to find this man that he's heard of, Saul from Tarsus, this man who is praying, and Jesus has heard them. And and not only that, Jesus tells Ananias, in a vision he's heard someone called Ananias, you, come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. In other words, Ananias, you are indispensable. You are called to this task You are the one who will heal him. You're the one who will help him see. You're the one who will help him complete his mission. But Ananias still doesn't understand. Even though he is a a faithful believer, he knows Jesus well enough to ask some more questions. Not very, very many people in the Bible get away with that, but every time a prophet is called, they usually have some questions for God. No, don't send me. Send someone else. No, I'm not ready for this. Please don't do it. But Ananias listens. And Moses, for example, asked a lot of questions of God at that story at the burning bush and throughout his life. And God always listened to Moses and talked to him. He helped him see the light. And Ananias reminds Jesus about what everyone already knows, that this Saul guy is dangerous. He is up to no good. He's done awful things to the followers of Jesus in Jerusalem. Now he's out to get the believers in Damascus too. And Ananias knows how this story is going to end. It is not going to be good. It is not a good idea to go there. Saul will get him too and put him in chains and take him back to Jerusalem to put him on trial just like Jesus was put on trial. But the risen Jesus calls Ananias to do something different, something unusual, something that will transform him and the church. And I think that it works that way for us too. I heard a pastor once put it this way, God rarely calls you to do something you were already going to do. God rarely calls you to do something that you were already going to do. Sure, it might happen sometimes, but not very often. Usually when God calls you to something, it's a, a new direction, a, a, new, a way that transforms your life. It could be something far away. It could be something quite nearby to you. 
It makes me think of my friend, uh, I'll call him L, who in the early 1970s went to Southeast Asia as a follower of Jesus. He, He went to spread the good news. He lived with a friend on the outskirts of a small town, and he learned the language, but the war was spreading quickly through the area, and soldiers marched into his village, and he was captured along with his friend and marched 400 kilometers north to Hanoi. And he nearly died on the way several times from malaria and disease. And he was imprisoned for months in the Hanoi Hilton and lost weight and uh, strength and will. But God sustained him and his friend. And they sang hymns and they remembered scripture words that they'd memorized. And they encouraged other prisoners. And when they were released, when they returned home to recover, years later, they went back to the same place. As for a lifetime of missionary service in, in that area. God rarely calls you to do something you were already going to do. God sometimes calls you to go to your enemy, to go to that place where they are not friendly to you. God sometimes calls you to go to that house that is dangerous, to go to that town that is called dangerous. God sometimes calls you to put your life on the line. And then, what do you do? Well, Ananias listens. Ananias, when Jesus says go, he goes. And he even gets an explanation for why he's doing it. Uh, This man, Saul, is my chosen instrument to to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and the people of Israel. You see, both Ananias and Saul get to meet the risen Jesus. And both of them are commissioned by Jesus. Both of them are said, told to go and do something. Now, Ananias goes somewhere local, right in his city, right to straight street down the road from him. But Saul, Saul is sent to the Gentiles all over the known world at the time to suffer, by the way. As Jesus adds with this, this cryptic, unexplained note, he's called to a ministry of suffering and proclamation. And Ananias goes straight to that little house on Straight Street, into the house of someone who was probably opposed to him, into the room of someone who was going to persecute him. And the first thing he does filled with the Spirit, is touch Saul. He puts his hands on him. He lays his hands on him in a sort of commissioning, ordaining, anointing ceremony, and he calls him brother. See, this man who once hated him, this guy who is against everything he stands for, this person who persecuted and imprisoned Christians and followers and Jesus, who even stoned some of them, he is now a brother. And because anyone who follows the risen Jesus is now part of this one big family, the the family of faith, the family of brothers and sisters by the blood of Christ who are united in this mission of the resurrection. And Ananias knows that story. He knows that the risen Jesus has appeared to Saul just like he did to Mary and to the disciples. And he knows what that means. Saul is a disciple now. He is an apostle. He is a a sent one, one who is filled with this uncontainable message of grace and forgiveness and joy that Christ is risen. Saul met Jesus on the road and it changes everything. Not just his life, which does this 180 from persecution to proclamation. Saul becomes this new person in Christ, a new creation And he'll spend the rest of his life trying to figure out what that means and wondering in awe at the grace of God. And Ananias, too, is changed. He's a good Jew. He's a a faithful follower of the Scriptures. And he knows that the good news is not just for the Jews. It's for the Gentiles and for their kings and for anyone who calls on the name of Jesus. 
And this is one of the first hints we get in the book of Acts that the Spirit is going to move with and through and beyond Jews to proclaim the good news to the whole world. And all Ananias has to do is listen to Jesus and go. Go down the street to his worst enemy and call him a brother. Go bring the forgiveness of Jesus. Remember how Jesus told his disciples to forgive? This is the ministry of Jesus, proclaiming his name. It's about forgiveness. Jesus himself holds Saul in suspension, in a blinding and fasting for three days. And will this persecutor of the church receive forgiveness? And Ananias responds faithfully. He goes as an agent of forgiveness and reconciliation to Saul. He touches him. He calls him a brother. And the Spirit comes upon Saul and his eyes are healed and he can see again and he's baptized. When we say that Christ is risen, we believe that Jesus meets us still today just like he met Ananias and Saul and the disciples and Mary. And Jesus might not appear to us quite the same way, but we get glimpses of the risen Savior in the world today. Through the Spirit who speaks the name of Jesus to our hearts. Through the Word as the Spirit plants it deep in us. Through the world that God has made as we look out and see signs of resurrection. Jesus comes to us. And He is risen indeed. And we must go. Because resurrection demands a response. Jesus commissions us too. Sometimes it's local, sometimes it's global, but it's rarely something that we were already doing. Christ calls us, and we listen, and we follow. And it always involves this ministry of forgiveness and reconciliation and proclamation that in Christ God is reconciling all creation to himself. And we proclaim the name of Jesus. We do exactly that. This week, uh, during my meetings with World Renew down in Grand Rapids, we, we spoke of the, the transforming work of Jesus Christ in the world, how uh, walking humbly with our God, living faithfully, uh, doing justice and loving mercy is a work that World Renew has done faithfully for 60 years all around the world on behalf of Christian Reformed churches and, and many others. But one of the gifts of World Renew is that as they've learned how to do that well around the world, they're bringing those gifts back into our own churches and communities. And wondering with churches, what does it look like to become communities that are transformed by grace? Communities that are rooted in the places that God has put us, uh, where we see the gifts that God has given, where we see the glimpses of resurrection among us, and are transformed to live faithfully, to act justly, to love mercy where God has put us. And that's why I think it's good to hear this story of Ananias and of Saul. Because not all resurrection appearances are quite this flashy. Sometimes it's a voice within you that calls your name and says, Go. And it may not be something far away. It might be just down the street. It might be someone nearby. It might be someone who hates you. Or who doesn't understand you. Who doesn't like the followers of Jesus. Who doesn't live as if Christ is risen. What do you do? Well, you listen. You listen to the word of Jesus. You follow the Spirit. You proclaim Jesus' name. You live out the forgiveness that Jesus has done because that is what we can do. That is all we can do. We can say, I've seen the Lord and and confess my Lord and my God and say, I met Jesus on the road. And then we tell the story the story of Christ, of his life and his death and resurrection and his presence among us today. Christ is risen. 
He is risen indeed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. O risen Christ, we long to see you, to know your presence among us, and we pray that you may continue to, by your Spirit, reveal yourself to us, to speak our name, to call us wherever you would, and that we may prayerfully listen and follow. We don't know where you might be calling us, each one of us, and what you would have us do, but we know that you, your Spirit speaks to us and translates your word to our hearts in, in ways that set us on fire for your word, for your presence, for your forgiveness. So risen Jesus, may we know you. Crucified, died, and risen in three days, ascended to heaven and seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. And we look to that day when you will come again in glory and where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We give you praise and thanks for your word and, and we ask that by your spirit you empower us to go and do it. In Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen. As we respond to God's word, we, we sing uh, of the risen Savior will sing because he lives and uh, Jesus all for Jesus. I invite you to rise in body or in spirit and sing with us. <laughs> 